everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Reading Party Podcast with Megan and Lexi. This episode continues our season looking at modern retellings of the Iliad and the Odyssey, ancient epics known for both brutal violence and instances of sexual assault. This episode is not suitable for under-18s. We hope you have your favourite beverage and snack ready to go, because we've got our teas and are ready to start spilling the tea on our latest ancient story. Last two episodes. I know. I'm tra- I am actually a little traumatized. Are you? Oh, God. I mean, again, it's the story of Troy. We all know how it ends. But I am mildly traumatized. What was most traumatizing about it? Um, I think the part where they burn the entire city, take all the women captive, and then throw a baby off a tower. Yeah, I was like, that That seems like it'd be pretty triggering. <laughs> yes, yes. Anyway, that's the very end, so we should, like... Yeah, we'll, we'll start with the... Uh, lead up to that seven. delightful <laughs> experience. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, well, let's start with the uh, episode seven, uh, directly after uh, the death of Hector. Mm-hmm. So we essentially start, and then... Um, the Greeks are like in their camp and you see people coming to Achilles always like, so they keep asking for Hector's body. Would you please return it? And he's like, no, they will sing stories about my rage. And which I find hilarious because he says it in like the calmest tone ever. Odysseus is like, what, what do I tell him? And he said, fine words for my rage, Odysseus. It's a great line. It's an absolutely great line. Um, yeah. So Priam goes and just rides into the camp and is like take me to achilles and i'm they take him and he sits outside the tent is like i'm staying here until he talks to me and if the sun comes up and i get killed by a bunch of greeks so be it but i ain't moving he was kind of like a petulant child and i love how he played it where he was like he just sits down i'm not moving go tell him and they're like uh Achilles, there's this king outside your tent sitting on the ground he's not going away do we turn the hose on him? What what happens next? <laughs> so it was quite different from how the, the movie did it. Mm-hmm. Did you have any notable differences or preferences? Not especially. I liked I liked this kind of relationship. Like very obviously small, brief relationship built up between Priam and, and Achilles in this like scene. I enjoyed Achilles asking about Hector what kind what kind of a man was he and it felt like he found some common ground both with Priam a little bit and also some respect for Hector which had been he'd clearly been missing after you know Hector killed his partner I did find it a little odd that Achilles declared Hector is without honor and should not be buried and um showed no mercy to Patroclus, which is odd because Achilles himself is not known for showing mercy to people that he's in battle with. And again, it, like it, it works for the character. He's just lost someone he loves very deeply. Of course, there's a lot of anger and fury and this should have been different, but like, taking a step back and thinking about it in a little bit of a wider lens, you wouldn't have shown mercy either. You would have been somewhat disdainful at the lack of lack of bravery, lack of honor. And again, Patroclus, it's not like he was sitting there begging for his life. He said no, that that was it. And I think that's probably quite a common response to the thought of someone running you through. Yeah, so that bit just caught me off guard a little bit, but I did I did enjoy the almost mutual respect that I felt the two ended up with at the end of the scene. Uh, sorry, that absolutely didn't answer your question about the movie. Uh, yeah, I don't know, actually. I don't know. How about you? What were your thoughts and preferences? Um, they're really different because I feel like in the the movie version, Prime just kind of comes in. You know, he's like he's close to tears, and yeah. and I th- I mean the dialogue helps that it's very very different as well. But I mean I, I would say you know the, it is shortened, but in the movie you get the sense of like, um, I loved my son from the moment he opened his eyes to the moment you closed them, like like please please please, and and he basically you know gets very emotional, and then he's just like 
the interactions are so different, you know, because in one, he comes in, he kisses his hand, and just like, you know, mm -hmm. enemies can show respect, just please yeah. give me the body. And in this one, I feel like the, the begging, the level of begging that he was forced to do was different. In this one, it's beyond just give me my son. This one was like, I will just stay here in front of all your men instead of an empty tent and I will gladly die. And then he like, he literally starts breaking down. And he's like, his mother will die. So I found it, would, it was just interesting because it's like this one, it's very much the whole family and it's more than just him. And the movie one was like, I love my son. So give him back. Mm. Well, Hecky Bits didn't exist in the movie. She was. Yeah. It's just, I don't like the assumption that like, since she didn't exist in the movie really that she, there was no mother and i'm like but i do also like the difference in portrayal and the relationship i feel shaped by the difference in portrayal was quite interesting because i think you see in the movie with the brad pitt version you just he's kind of disdainful you know he's kind of like, like like when prime first comes over and kisses his hand you know he kind of like backs away and he's just like ooh gross creepy old man and he kind of has to be talked into it and then he kind of gets up and walks away and in this one to me, I thought it was very much like he was pissed, but he was trying to make connections. And you could tell that even if he was pissed at Hector, like the whole time, he had nothing but the utmost respect for Priam in this one. He's not like, ew, gross old man. This is beneath you. It's I'm so pissed that he killed Patroclus and this is about me. I think that's probably a common theme between the TV show and the movie is Achilles has a level of empathy in the TV show that doesn't really come across in the movie so much. There's some empathy there for Briseis, but that's kind of about it. Um, Achilles in in the TV show is like, we're here for someone else's wounded pride. These people haven't generally done anything and I'm just going to sit in my tent. Like he says, I think he says at one point, like, what have the Trojans done to me? Essentially, that I should go and slaughter them because you got your wife stolen, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I mean, obviously, that happens when you have more time to flesh something out, like yeah. in a miniseries. Yeah. Like a movie is hard because it's like, well, we do only have like two hours or whatever to get this across. So you're kind mm -hmm. of like, okay, things have to be skipped. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just so it was interesting to see, and then. Um, I mean, what happens next is kind of the same, right, between the show and the movie, mm -hmm. which is that he puts Prime on some kind of cart or chariot and then sends him with the body. Although, you know, the big notable difference was that Achilles had Briseis back in the movie yeah. and then sent her back with Priam yeah. in this one. In this one, he never gets her back. And I was like, what? Like, like wasn't that a bit jarring to you? I did keep waiting for her to be returned. And then Achilles was dead. So, oh, okay, this no departure from everything else. Um, yeah, it was, it was unexpected. It's my theme word for this episode, or this series, I think. It was unexpected. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because I just kept being like, no, she's going to be returned. No. She comes back. And then you just see the last shot of her in the tent like trying to assassinate Agamemnon but then Odysseus like walks in before uh they break the the truce essentially and um yeah then they're just like uh or well well she never gets through to it yeah and then Odysseus just kind of comes over to her and he's like you shouldn't have done that and she's just like I don't care I don't have anything you didn't left see anything yeah and then he's and then he was surprisingly nice to her because he was yeah. like like he took the knife puts it like back in her hand which lol what um and then, and then it's like, escape, escape when the attack has started. My men won't stop you. Yeah. And you're like, but is she not, is she, is she really going to run away? Yep. She runs away. She does. And Agamemnon is, as one would expect, pissed. Mm-hmm. So. I was a little upset that the duel between Achilles and Penthesilea was so quick. I was too. I was. And without much fanfare either. Yeah. I feel like they did her disservice with that a little bit. Because they build up, okay. they build up yeah. a lot. A, what a skilled fighter she is, and B, how much she wants to kill Achilles. It's her main character feature, I think. Um, it is. <laughs> so I, I was hoping for a little bit more. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was interesting the battle sequence they had because you have like Achilles being like Priam, where is the liar? So he mm. just like gets on his random chariot and then. 
the like like the armies run toward each other and then you just see Achilles chariot go like straight yeah. through and like <laughs> like I'll see you guys later have fun but so it's this really fun so they have this really fun shot where you see once he's gotten through the army he doesn't circle around and start tagging from behind he just keeps going straight and so you're like oh that really happened okay um and then and then all you see is like their only line of defense is like Penthesilea and like five or six Amazons are just like standing there and then he's like okay so he like jumps down from his chariot and then he kills the five or six like Amazons quite quickly which I was a little upset about mm-hmm. um because Amazons are supposed to be you know great warriors and blah 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 and they don't die that quickly but then again I was like well it is Achilles so maybe yeah. maybe it'd be more unbelievable if it was some random and person so to demonstrate his skill, maybe that's why it was so easy. But um, yeah, then you just have like Penthesilea. And then she's, she, you get this really great stare from her. And then she just takes out her swords. He takes out his and it's like game over. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was a bit shocked that like after he kills her, he just keeps on riding alone <laughs> toward the city. And you're like, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I was even more shocked when Priam comes out. Yeah, he's like right there elderly king with sword huh cool interesting yeah and hecuba's like don't go it's achilles he's gonna kill you for sure old man and he's like i must go i'm going and she's like okay bye (sighs) no choice in this yeah so it was a little interesting so um as one would expect achilles versus priam was like super fast essentially Achilles like walks up to him punches him in the face and he falls down and that's it and you're like ah okay but uh before he can get to killing him Alexander uh, to the rescue shoots Achilles in the heel I know it's Achilles heel I know that's the whole point but he shoots him in the heel and then Priam stabs him and then Alexander shoots him yeah it's through the neck yeah and that's kind of it it was very also fast, mm-hmm. actually. Um, well, I can't but, really drag it out. No, that's true. That is true. Because um, even in the in the movie version, mm. um, it's like you get the one big shot through heel, and then Brad Pitt kind of just goes, <gasps> you know, and like and he's down, he's yeah. Big. But then he has to shoot him with like three more arrows, and he still kind of keeps walking and walking mm-hmm. until finally he's like, okay, I need to sit down and pull these out, and I'm gonna die. And then he somehow has enough time for a last kiss with Briseis and like to whisper things to her before just keeling over and dying. And I was like, but, but, but no, would you though? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I'm like heel and three arrows in you. And mm-hmm. you still have time for this like weepy goodbye. Mm-hmm. You can only, but even this one, like shot in heel stabbed in like, like abs or something yeah. or something. And then, usually shot from arrow to neck would just kill you and yet he has enough time to talk yeah they have this lovely brief conversation where they all call each other liars and traitors and (laughs) then uh achilles declares odysseus would never lie and we all know that odysseus just lied uh and the trojans are like well someone lied to you friend because we didn't kill any greek soldiers during the truce so then achilles is and i that's seems to be a theme with this series as someone dies they realize the truth or they are told something that is very um upsetting to them and you're like no just 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 let them die let's not assemble their entire world while they're dying yeah i don't know why it's very um unpleasant it's just just all very very tragic very tragic yeah. And I realize yeah. how bizarre and ridiculous that sounds when talking about the Trojan War. Um, <laughs> the most tragic event recorded in human literature. Um, but yes, tragedy. Yeah. Lots of tragedy. tragedy. Lots of tragedy. Yeah, so also... Oh, we skipped over, sorry, we skipped over the... So Hector is, is buried and Andromache essentially accuses oh. Helen during the funeral feast of like causing the whole thing. And Alexander yeah. says, take Helen away. And Helen's like, why the hell are you taking me away? I didn't do anything. And she confronts him afterwards and he says, well, 
Andromache is in mourning. I'm not going to have her dragged out of her husband's funeral feast. It was easier and safer to remove you, my dear. Yeah. <laughs> Which is true, because she doesn't do anything yeah really in like violent she doesn't she'll, she'll she'll like make her opinion heard but then mm -hmm. she, yeah she's quite easy to deal with <laughs> um you know she'll barge into uh, your private meetings but that's really as far as it goes and then she'll just demand to be heard <laughs> uh, or say that things have not been discussed to yeah. her satisfaction you know yeah um but but it's true though because it's like you know we all know it's true because they're just like and then they're starting to be like, I don't think Pandarus was really the traitor. Yeah. And yeah. she's getting all nervous. It builds the tension really nicely towards the last episode. And I liked how they did it because, again, a lot of the people watching are going to know how this ends. So mm -hmm. while there's a lot of emotional tension because you've come to like have a relationship with these characters and, and you, you know they're going to die and you don't want to see them die, but you, like ultimately you know what's going to happen. I feel like the Pandarus... Helen treachery subplot thing ends and lends a nice little additional tension built on we don't know what's going to happen. Is Helen going to be discovered? Because she's such a minor character in the source material, which is funny to me. She's such a minor character that they can do things like this. They can add this whole little subplot in without really disrupting an awful lot of the rest of the story so you're watching this and Andromache keeps saying Pandrus is no traitor I've known him since I was a child and we have this Greek woman in our city why why is no one listening to me someone needs to listen to me and the men are like there there dear you've just lost your husband and Priam says in the final episode you must think of your son now yes yes I must think of my son I need someone to listen to me and it's it's kind of a corollary to Cassandra no one is listening to the women and they really should be listening to the women. And I know that Helen did not deliberately share this information with um, with Achilles. It was completely accidental um, and inadvertent, but Andrus wasn't a traitor. Uh, it was Helen. Yeah. Although, yeah. Although, b because of all that Alexander basically, like, you know, like, 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 has repeated, like, there's nothing you could do that would make me not love you. So I'm, I'm, so I kind of wondered, like, like, if she had just confided in him, because he was kind of put in charge of the, the investigations. So, like, I, I, I do kind of wonder, like, what would have happened if she told him the truth and it was like, look, Achilles sneaked in so he could kidnap me and I was, uh, like, afraid and, like, oops, I didn't mean to, but, like, things had to be said and 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 i did what i needed to to like survive and stay here with you or whatever i wonder if she if she could have told him and had him maybe help her i was i was expecting her to tell him about it do you think he would have helped her though or would he have because because he got this so so it's like you start the series where he's like no i'll do anything for you it's all about you he was willing to like leave the city but then it's it's quite interesting because he takes a turn because after hector dies and he's put in charge of more things he gets this greater sense of responsibility over the city. And so it's really interesting, especially from the movie as well, because in the movie version, all he ever does, it's, it's, it's very Helen-centric, only her, I don't care about anything else. Uh, this one, it's he starts to get this like, yes, dear, you're important, but actually nothing is more important than the city. And I have family. And and Priam tells him when, when he takes over from Hector, Priam tells him, look, your wife is clearly very important. That's well and good, but... The city comes first now, and he really seems to take that to heart. So I suppose my answer is, I think it would depend on when in the series she told him. I think if she told him as soon as he got back from Cilicia, I think he'd have been more likely to keep the secret and do things to try and direct attention away from her. I think as the series progressed, he would have been less likely to do that. I think, I think if she mm -hmm. told him in like the final two episodes I, I think he'd have said something mm -hmm. to someone i think so too and even if it was accidental they definitely prop but that's the thing if he told them and then they wanted to throw her out and he was very adamant about her not being you know separate like like i wonder what that would have done too um no i kind of you know i was like yeah i understand why they didn't have her tell him but i'm kind of curious to see what would have happened if like she had just just to see
Mm. Um, and also, I guess, um, skipping a little ahead, um, she does, spoiler alert, uh, set, um, what's his real name? Oh my god. Um, okay, well, yeah, I know, me too. Well, she sets him free, basically, after he's been, like, whipped to a pulp in the prison, and she basically goes to him and says, okay, go back to the Greeks with a deal. I'm proposing. Uh, I can't see all this carnage anymore. Like, I will return willingly if you make Mel Menelaus promise that no one in the city will die, not Alexander, not anyone, just, just like, take me and leave. And I thought that was so interesting because, well, one, the movie version, no, they never had, like, other than that one little scene where she was like, I'm, I'm going home, then everything's like, no, 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 I'm staying with you. Um, so I found it interesting how she, uh, offered herself this way because a, a lot of, well, one, it's not in the original source material, but even some of the, 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 the brunt of the popular retellings of this myth, they don't have Helen being the facilitator for, uh, like the Trojan horse stuff because, you know, I don't know, but I feel like everything you normally hear is that the Greeks just build the horse, pretend to go away, and then the Trojans bring it in, and then soldiers sneak out, and the soldiers open the doors and let everyone in. So I thought it was really interesting to have Helen be the facilitator in this one. The thing, the thing that jumped out to me, apart from having Helen as the the key figure in in the final attack on Troy. The thing that really jumped out to me is how many times Helen talks about having a daughter in the last episodes. Yeah. She, she doesn't mention her except once when Andromache asks and then unprompted it's like two or three times. She I think she says to Alexander, I left my daughter for you and then when she's talking to Telemon I'm ready to come home to my daughter like and I I I couldn't tell if it was sincere emotion and She's been away for so long, she's realized exactly what she's done to her daughter. Or if it was kind of like buyer's remorse and she's trying to come, with, come up with any reason, any reason to leave Troy because she knows by this point that Andromache is never going to forgive her and she's never really going to be accepted. And even if they win, she can't stay in Troy. She has to do something else. Um, and I, I felt like her message to Menelaus was both, I need to stop the fighting, but also me staying here just isn't tenable anymore. I, there's been too much destruction. There's been too much death. If I stay, I will always be a reminder of this. People will turn on me. I have to get out now while I can. And talking about my family and talking about my daughter is kind of like the only option available to me to kind of save face almost as a woman in this society like i i need to go because of my daughter like it, it's it's the acceptable response rather than i'm going to be killed if i stay here because it's interesting because it's like you you kind of see this crisis because she even says to like the spy the greeks left behind at one point i think she was just like um well, he, he was just like, okay, you need to leave now or, you know, the bargain's broken, whatever, uh, whatever it is he says. But um, it's, it was notable because she looked at this dude and was like, get me out of this. She was kind of just like begging, like, no, literally, get me out of this. How, how do I uh, escape? Um, but it, it is really interesting how I felt like she, she never was like... Um, to me, it didn't feel like she suddenly grew a, a, a real conscience. I think it was more, it's like the, the all-encompassing fear of just, I'm, I'm, I'm in too deep on, on both ends, um, and, and she's struggling with her identity, so she doesn't know which one to pick fully at any time. So when she's at the, the gates of the city, like mm -hmm. Menelaus and Odysseus have by this point killed four Trojan soldiers. And each time mm -hmm. it happens, she like, you get a close up of her face and she's very like resigned, I suppose. Like this has to happen so I can leave. And I, I, I didn't know whether 
the director was going for genuine emotion or if it was this is how I am supposed to be responding. I didn't see it as she suddenly developed real emotion. Like, like I just, that wouldn't, to me, it wouldn't be in line with how she's been the whole series. Like, like clearly she has feelings, of course, but like to see the whole time how she, like, I don't know, like just like judging based on her reactions to a lot of things. She was just so conflicted about everything that she was kind of just like, okay, I guess I'll just... I don't... Like, like to me, almost like Helen, the entire series, has been performing a ro different roles. Like, she never really feels like she comfortably, genuinely settles into herself because she goes from being wife of King of Sparta, where she's miserable and drugging herself, to, okay, I'm going to run away with the... Well, well, maybe, okay, when she runs away with Alexander at first, okay, maybe that's, like, her genuine thing. But then she gets to Troy, and then she's clearly kind of uncomfortable because she's like, they'll never accept me, they hate me. So then it seems like she's forced to act like, you know, what, what, what they would hope the ideal princess of Troy, foreigner, coming and trying to make a good impression of herself is so no i just think that she's ever since she got to troy like she was performing so much that she didn't know any other way to be and even at the end like uh, what is it she says to menelaus which was kind of chilling honestly to hear which was she was like you can take my body home you can have it in your bed but my heart will remain here and you're kind of like but like really I don't know. I just, that that mm, I'm I'm always so conflicted by the end of the series because I'm like Helen, she's this, but she's that, but also you know I just I, I I don't know. I feel really confused about her. That's a really good way to put it. She's she's a confusing character. Like I I want to like her. I really do want to like her, and I I do believe at the beginning she really was maybe not trying to do what was best, but trying to do what was best for herself after a lifetime of duty. And I, I, she felt more human at the beginning. By the time we get to the end, it's so much has happened and she's, she's been the cause of so much destruction, not, not even just the war, but looking at what goes on inside Troy Telamon has killed people to keep her secret. And she has, like, facilitated him killing people to keep her secret. And I think we're supposed to believe that she feels remorse for it. But she does it very easily. Very, very easily. And I, that was, I just felt it off for me. Yeah. Like, if she really wanted to be a Trojan, wouldn't she have just told the Trojans about Telamon from the minute she knew he was there? So, like, she hides. She keeps the secret. She knows he's here. When he's finally discovered and he's being tortured, uh, he just kind of looks at her and he says this thing, which the Trojans obviously don't understand, where he's like, oh, I was sent here by Odysseus just to, you know, seek out and keep an eye on things. And they're like... Well, what does that mean? Like, what are you supposed to keep an eye on other than, you know? And um, so, it, you know, he, he he basically doesn't say that he's there for Helen, which I would find really mysterious if I were a Trojan, because there's got to be more than just, I'm here to observe, you know? Um, and then, and then, yeah, when, when, when he's trapped and she wants to, it's, it's like she does everything out of convenience, because it's like she wasn't willing to go help him uh, when he was being beaten, even though he kind of like says the, I believe my loyalty will be rewarded, wink, wink. And she just kind of like doesn't react. But like, so she could have freed him at any time, but she doesn't until she wants to make the deal. So then she goes in there with the knife, gives it to him way too easily, like elicits no promises or anything. And then all she does is talk to the guard and she's like, may the gods have mercy or whatever. And like, bam, he's yeah. dead. I do wonder if she's um, acting, if so much of her, of her responses to things are out of guilt. I wonder if, if because of what happened with Achilles and 
I feel like that sent everything, started everything spiraling downwards for her because Andromache was was a challenge, but I felt like she was kind of coping with that. And then Achilles came and Pandora started getting suspicious and it's just, everything just started falling apart. Yeah, I so I, I don't always know. just wonder, I'm like, are these the, the actions of a desperate woman, a confused woman, or mm -hmm. just a woman who literally, like... Is just trying to keep herself safe. I'm like, is it is it truly, like, self-preservation? Is it, like, an attempt to be noble? <laughs> like, like, I'm just like, what is yeah. your deal? Yeah. Because you would feel like all of her actions are self-preservation, right? Maybe. I mean, you... I think so. But then, the, the, I, yeah, so I don't know if it's if it's supposed to be self-preservation then right at the end when she says to Menelaus at the gates, no, I can't go. If it's like final desperation and, and realization that she's trying to protect everyone, but actually the cost to herself is too great to leave. But uh, I don't know. Like don't know. by I... that point, you personally are responsible for the deaths of so many people in your like own escape attempt actually you just suck it up and you leave you don't just stand there and say no i can't do it <laughs> um no actually sorry you you leave now i liked her less and less as the series progressed i think yeah it was quite cleverly done actually because it's so slow and kind of insidious and the trojans welcome her with open arms and they love her and then as it goes, I mean, obviously Andromache never really liked her, but I feel like as it goes, everyone was a little bit more and more and more concerned, upset. As more people die, like, why Why is it we're doing this? And then, as as expected, Menelaus completely betrays her and says, <laughs> she says, you promised on your honour that no one would be hurt. And he's like, I have no honour because of you, so I'm going to kill as many people as I feel like. Um... It was, yeah, the the last episode was quite harrowing. Yeah, because that one was just like brutal, burn, kill, pillage, and... Yeah, and you really get the desperation of the Trojans coming through as they they fight and fall back and fight and fall back, and then everyone's trying to unbury these tunnels. I don't know if it was a deliberate connection to the movie, but I, I liked that the plan was to go through the tunnels, and then they get through the tunnels, and there are Greeks there, which is... When you think about it, not terribly surprising. It surprised me as I was watching. I was, oh, shit. Well, that's not going to work. Um, so they all fall back. and Yeah. Also, what did you think of this portrayal of the uh, Trojan horse? Stylistically, it's so different from the other. I yeah. really, really liked it. My question with the Trojan horse is always, where did they get the time? Uh, <laughs> and how did they build this massive horse without the Trojans noticing? But, you know, that's just, that's little nitpicking uh, <laughs> questions. No, I really, really liked it. I thought it looked, it was really cool. I just want to know how they got the material. You do have to ask where they found a massive trident. And the blue, the blue stuff? Because, I, mean, I mean, and and then the red jewel. I mean, I'm kind of like, look, the, the one in the movie was believable because it's basically a bunch of old wood, which is what they would have had from, like, burned ships and stuff. A trident. Okay, all the spears, fine. But the blue, the jewel, the, you know, whatever. But also, I was like, well, how could they fit all those people in there if, like, the entire midsection was, like, grain? Grain. Yeah, because they, they drag it into the city and they empty the middle. And you there are shots of them pulling. It's, like, covered with shields. There are shots of them pulling the shields off. I'm like, where, where are the... Aren't there supposed to be Greeks in there? Yeah, because it's like, well, when the dude is even like, what's in there? And he's like, grain. And then he takes a spear and just like starts to like poke up. I was like, oh, why would you say that? And then I'm like, oh, oh, okay, fine. But I'm like, but the legs look so uncomfortable. Like, how could you comfortably stand or sit in the legs and not make noise? <laughs> it was, yes. I also I always question um, the whole let's steal someone else's offering to a god so that it will bless us <laughs> it, it strikes me as a little bit backwards because surely if you steal an offering from a god and then eat it 
you are not therefore honoring the god in any way shape or form you are merely stealing from them and as we've already seen gods are not terribly forgiving entities no so they really don't like people yes. touching their stuff no they don't no they don't so and given that the the plan as recounted by this greek soldier is to let the sea the tide wash out the horse as an offering to poseidon and then Priam, Priam or Alexander or someone says, let's take it back to our city and steal their blessing. The gods will favor us instead of the Greeks. I'm like, That's how and why is this going to work? Yeah, I was like, um, if you want one so badly, just build your own. <laughs> like, <laughs> and yeah, I know, no. like, I know they had to find a reason for the Trojans to take this giant fucking horse into their city that didn't seem completely beyond belief but <laughs> yeah, that that logic did not land with me <laughs> yeah well i thought it was interesting because yeah they, they have sort of the priests come out there's like three of them and it was interesting um they didn't say his name but if you know famous greek art or other myths you would know that's uh Leokoan, uh and 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 his i think those are supposed to be his sons um but like I thought it was, I mean, obviously in a, in a series chock full of things, you can't get everything, but, um, he, he, he was kind of famous for being the, like the Trojan priest who suggested they burn the thing and then he gets killed because of, he was suggesting this. Um, and it's such a famous, um, like statue. So I don't know. I was kind of like, I was hoping that they would just be like, Oh, ha, ha, ha. I was hoping even like prime would just be like, Oh. Leokoan, no, we must honor the gods or something. So I was a little sad, but I, I still kind of saw it was like a little nugget for, for, you know, art history for those looking or who know the story. So yeah, so basically like da 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 da, they take over the city. And then once they get in, I thought it was um quite interesting because in the movie, they don't really show what happens to the royal family other than they kind of flee toward the the like escape tunnel uh and then they leave and all you get is this scene with you know Briseis and Achilles and that's how the movie kind of ends um did you like the expanded sort of look into the palace in their last moments it was necessary given how much time they've spent with the royal family and and I think that's a very deliberate framing that shifts things from how the movie was um kind of narrated almost the movie is very achilles centric and the tv series really is is focusing on the people of troy and the the trojan royal family so i think we i think it was necessary to see what happened to them um i think leaving it kind of ambiguous would have been um, strange yeah yeah odd um so i i did like i did like seeing that at, well I mean, like, it, it was it was very tragic and very um, distressing, but I think necessary for the story to be completed. So we see we see Priam's sons dying, and as Hector did, doing everything they could to defend their city and defend their families. Um, we see the women being essentially rounded up and taken captive and oh my goodness the scene with andromache and odysseus odysseus finds andromache she comes out of this little alcove thing and he so gently says come with me and she goes with him and at that point i was like oh okay she's going so that her baby can stay and live and he thinks that it's just her and then you hear the baby crying and they stop walking and then they they go and it's okay and you think okay okay maybe we're not going to be killing babies and then at the end like the city is burned they're all like in the the lower town ready to leave and odysseus like again gently takes andromache says they have to go now and you hear the baby crying again and Agamemnon stops. And at that point, my heart just dropped out of my body because Odysseus having compassion and empathy 
works with the character they've built for him. He's very sympathetic. Mm -hmm. He has already, like, we've seen him tell Briseis she can leave. Uh, we know that that was successful. We know he he told his men not to harm her. Um, his his character is built in such a way that him letting a baby live is is very much it, it like it works with with who he is. Agamemnon, no, uh, he is he is going to have that baby killed, and and he does, and he makes Odysseus do it, which like also hurts. I mean the. Mm -hmm. Andromache's response to losing her baby beautifully paid, played absolutely heartbreaking and Odysseus just I mean you know he doesn't want to and you know it's going to well Andromache says as they leave Odysseus may your crimes haunt you like ghosts and you know that one is haunting him and will for the rest of his life and it was like that whole sequence of Andromache, mm -hmm. Odysseus and Astyanax I can never say that name. Astyanaxtics. Astyanaxtics. Yeah, there, there we go, I, I add an extra syllable, which is not supposed to be that. <laughs> um, but that whole little sequence is, if for me, it was one of the most painful um, sequences of the whole film. Even with all the, the death and destruction that's gone before, that was just, that was hard watching. I mean, the killing of children, I think, yeah. is, like, yeah. anyway. I mean, like, Iphigenia was so hard right at the beginning, yeah. real tone setter. But at the same time, like, she was older. It wasn't a baby. And and they even gave her agency at the end because mm -hmm. she was struggling for, you know. She's and like, then if, she it, if we're going to do it, then. You know what? Then, then let it be without struggle. Mm -hmm. And then she just stands there and it's like, okay, do it. Mm -hmm. So, like, even they could give her agency enough to choose to die honorably and, and quickly. Um, but with the baby, who's I, how old did that baby even look? I mean, I know he's so that, supposed to... he he looked two, mm, not not quite, but he looked roughly the same age as my twins, and they're one now. So he was a an older, and, and I don't know if <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know if that was um, deliberate in order to show the passage of time, or if that was. Uh, working with small babies is really, really hard. So let's just get a child that is young enough that this could potentially have been the right, <laughs> the right age. Um, but yeah, I feel like it it served to show the passage of time mm. because Hector died at least in year what eight of the war mm. anyway, eight nine something like that. Yeah, because he did die significantly before before so mm -hmm. it tracks that the baby had to be at least one that much older yeah so because because when the baby was born and when the baby was young they used a real baby. yeah that's true yeah so yeah so i feel like no this was like passage yeah. of time um but yeah no it was so hard because i just you know i saw you know it doesn't look like a little alien anymore it's like child <laughs> child so then yeah. you're like oh no i, I will um, confess to like pressing the fast forward button through Odysseus's walk up the wall. I was like, I can't, I can't watch this. I'm just going to skip and ahead. And it's slow too. Mm -hmm. Like, like I was like, can you just have him like walk up like a normal person? And if he's going to do it, just do it. But it's like, they have the slow sort of like walk and it zooms in on his face and he looks all haunted. And then he gets like to the top of the wall and you, see, the acting is brilliant because you see oh, it's, like it's fantastic. The, the face twitches, and, and and a part of this I think we should explain also is that um, yes, he was ordered to do it, but he did try to say no. Like mm -hmm. like they did try yeah. to make him sympathetic and for us to feel bad. Uh, but Agamemnon, being the the ass that he is, threatened and said, you know, if you want your child to live, you will kill this one. Mm -hmm. And so you you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, unfortunately, threaten a parent about their own child. <laughs> to bring something out. <laughs> like, you know, you could have uh, a lot of empathy for other people's children. But, like, at the end of the day, that's what I appreciated. It was a very yeah. human response from him mm -hmm. where he was like, I don't like killing children. I don't like killing a one-year-old. This is horrible. But at the end of the day, he did react like a parent would and was like, you know, well this is a powerful king and he could come and take my child so i will uh oblige but yeah yeah it was very hard i and, and the way they shot it too it was very clear what was happening but 
they kind of implied at the end because like you have this dramatic shot of like the bundle falling but then they like kind of cut away when it would hit the ground so then it pans does it, i think it pans to like andromache's face actually and then you just have her like start crying and y- you just sit there and you're like i feel awful awful um also i did want to point out that since hecuba was you know a person in this series um in trojan women she's taken with the rest of the women as a prize and so i thought it was interesting that they have her commit suicide mm-hmm. here that whole last scene with her and priam was i think very well done mm-hmm. they're in what well, they're in their bed chambers priam has his yeah. armor on he's ready to go down fighting and he's just holding hecuba and then you hear the soldiers coming and he tells her to hide herself and she does and they come in and what agamemnon kills priam pretty quickly and then you hear this like scream well not screaming but like crying loud crying no it's um, like a mo- she was like yeah you, hear, you know yeah. and you're like what yeah no that's a better characterization um and you like you know she's done something and and agamemnon goes through and she's um she's cut her wrists uh and then dies basically right there on Mm -hmm. the bed um so i i kind of it was beautiful i guess when it's like she wanted to die in her city follow her Mm -hmm. husband not be a slave but also i'm kind of like well that doesn't track it's (laughs) other like ancient material and you know she's taken as Mm -hmm. a slave but um okay we'll just ignore that i mean i suppose that's it's still wrong, but I'm like, I mean, yeah. it's better than not having her at all in the movie. <laughs> Agreed. And it, it, I think it works, again, with her character. The characterization in this is fantastically consistent. But throughout the whole thing, she and Prime have been kind of an inseparable unit. You don't often see one of them without the other on screen. And they always talk about how decisions they make are made together. And she's a very family-focused, family-oriented person and you it culminates in her almost her entire family being killed a couple of her children are taken and her husband is dead and it it is in keeping with her i think as a person to prefer to stay in her city and die um than be taken by the greeks so we should we should talk briefly about the gods in the final episode Mm -hmm. before we wrap up because they've been curiously absent Mm-hmm. Zeus tells uh, Athena, uh, Artemis, and Hera not to interfere in the final days, years maybe of the war. And they yeah. don't. They essentially just disappear. And then you have the final shot of Aphrodite. Like, she's looking horrified. And, like, she she almost looks at Alexander, who's, like, dead on the marriage bed. Like, she's just kind of like, oh, my God. And then you have the other two just like just standing there staring at her like this wouldn't have happened if he'd chosen one of us. I'm like, well, I don't for one second believe that the spurned two goddesses, whoever they may be, would not have responded in a similar manner. And then you have what Zeus at the end just standing outside the city. There's a shot of him turning away in this gathering storm, which then is is carried into uh, Odysseus sailing away on on his ship. And there's this like storm brewing yeah and you're like oh okay yeah yeah andromache's curse is going to uh, come to fruition my friend i found it quite interesting as well that um you know usually they say they, they burn troy to the ground leave no survivors and this that and the other thing um but based on the actions of certain people um well aeneas kind of survives and because alexander told him to like run and hide and you must somebody must survive so um he just like emerges from like a pile of bodies and you're just like i'm here and you're like whoa so he kind of comes out to the city sees it burn but then you see like briseis just like walks back in randomly and she's like hi yeah and the 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 two boys that Telamon had been staying with throughout most of the series so they hid when the the trojans got into the city and like I was kind of waiting for Telemon to be the person who finds them. And he does. He's with another soldier. He says, I'll check this back room. And he turns and he sees that it, it's these kids. And he says, there's this like briefly tense moment that's not really tense because you know he's not going to turn them in. Like You you know that. But there's a little bit of attention. And he says, no, no one here. And then they they leave. So those two kids survive. So they're, they're in the city and Aeneas is there. And yeah, Briseis just walks in. 
and the smallest child runs up and gives her a hug and i that was a little odd mm-hmm. what it, is it just because she's a woman are we giving her a child to hug or <laughs> that's what i want to know because yeah like, that's terribly like well it's kind of sexist to just be like woman so he's standing there with his older brother who has saved his life and then it's just like there's a woman so obviously (laughs) and it's like mommy figure and you're like no but brother i am glad that they survived i'm glad that briseis survived but that that little it was a little bit superfluous yeah so I thought it was, and then quickly, what did you feel about the the last shot of the entire series? Because like, were you expecting them to sort of pan to something else, or no? I wanted, I didn't want the story to end there, but that was like a, a personal. Mm. I, I need this to keep going, mainly because I love the Odyssey. I, I want to see what happens to Odysseus. Um, but no, I, I felt like it was a fitting a fitting end to the series that we'd been given. How about you? Yeah. No, I definitely felt it was fitting. Uh, me too. I mean, you know, I, 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 I love the story and I love I love the series, frankly. Um, so yeah, I was, I was a little disappointed. But no, I thought it was still pretty fitting, pretty good, pretty accurate. So... Um, you know, it's it's and it ups it it's more abrupt. So when comparing it with the end of the Troy movie, you know, you can clearly tell one is not here to just be pretty and sort of wrap things up in a bow. Um, because that one it ends with you know, the the movie at least ends with you know you have Sean Bean's like voiceover about walking with giants and heroes as, as they're like having Achilles' funeral pyre in Troy in a burned Troy. Um, like, okay, random. Um, and then so it ends just like with the, the beautiful whatever and the swell of music. And this one is, no, this one's like very down to earth. This is just like, you see them going and it's like quiet. It it doesn't try and disguise the tragedy of it. No, no. Even, they just and, it. Yeah. And, and it's, again, the whole series has been very blunt almost about exactly what's going on the movie like we've discussed it's for a different audience it's a very different medium it's it's like it's hollywood glamour it's mm-hmm. like pretty it's pretty kind yeah, of pretty. even even though it's a, a brutal war this is not pretty and it's not that i feel like they're deliberately making sure that they don't make you feel comfortable with what you has know. happened or how it's ended um I yeah. as as uncomfortable as it was to watch, I I appreciated that quite a lot. Hmm. Yeah. No. I mean, and and um. Again, as we've been saying throughout the whole series, like stylistically, it's very different. But I think it is very fitting because I think you're going to always have people trending toward making adaptations that are a little too pretty for you know my taste at least. So to have this be very blunt and straight to the point and and i actually felt that they they played a, around with silence very well because i think they kind of use silence and the cinematography um and the sound editing as almost like a theme in it in in it of itself because many shots many scenes they had such interesting either lighting or sound going enough to like really make you focus on it as someone watching and to just sort of realize that like oh no, we're not doing the pretty thing. We're not just going to, you know, like there's nothing I hate more than, you know, a movie's about to end. And then you just like, they layer in some like pretty music. And then it's like, okay, we're going to go out now. And, you know, you'll have some pretty, you know, Christina Aguilera like singing something, you know, and then you're like, no, I don't want this. Like this was just like quiet, 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 end. And then you're like, oh, okay. Can you say you really like one better or are they just too different to really compare like apples to oranges? I do think they are too different to draw a, like a fair comparison, but I, overall I think I did, I did prefer the series. Um, I found it much more interesting in terms of plot uh, at least and, and characterization. And, and again, that's an unfair Maybe not unfair. It's, as we've said, much easier to do that with a miniseries than with a movie. But I didn't really feel any sympathy for any of the characters in the movie at all. And in the miniseries, 
almost everyone has something redeeming about them. Even Agamemnon at the very beginning is a sympathetic figure and you can see what happened to him. And I hate him by the end, but I can see why he is the way that he is. Mm -hmm. I think personal preference again. Yeah. So, so they're too different to, to adequately, you know, if it, it was two movies, then that'd be one thing or two series. That'd be one thing, but no, I do feel that they are, apples to oranges because you know you could say i like character development but then again one has eight full hour plus episodes the other is like a two-hour movie um so i think no you can't but i guess my way of judging it would be personal preference just in terms of stuff i like uh, i would say i i prefer the series and two we can actually compare at least with closer accuracy to the original source material and this one definitely is because it's like obviously it would be hard yeah because like it would be hard in a movie but like they just did not have characters who were quite important i'm not sure they really tried with the movie <laughs> yeah they didn't try but i understand like especially for a movie where you're supposed to be following people like how do you introduce like a massive cast and that's again like a benefit of the a series where you can introduce a massive cast but i don't know i i guess like at least add one or two back in the movie like and and then and then in terms of you know killing your main characters agamemnon menelaus ajax like yeah so in terms of just like source material wise yeah definitely this one as well um but they're both enjoyable in their own ways uh definitely the series should not be viewed by young children do you think this would be suitable for like young teenagers i think it depends on your teen Okay. Um, and it, it like some episodes I would I would be comfortable watching with my fifteen year old. Some episodes, not not so much. Okay. So, viewer discretion is advised. <laughs> yes, and with the movie though, would you watch it with fifteen year old? Oh, would you watch yeah. it with young um, Because there's still a bunch of violence, obviously. There is. So. Yeah, it's not as not quite as graphic, but it is there. I I mean. Yeah, probably 15, I think, would be reasonable. I don't know what its actual movie rating was, but... I think PG-13. Yeah. Because there's, like, one sex scene where it's kissing and nothing else, and then um, murder. <laughs> like, like, violence. <laughs> so, I'm kind of like, yeah, that's enough for PG-13. Excellent. Um... Yeah, but overall, I think I, I, I really enjoyed watching these, especially back-to-back. Mm -hmm. I think that's yeah. a, a really fun decision that we made where we were like, let's watch these back-to-back. And if you're sitting at home and are thinking of doing it, um, I would highly recommend it because... Yeah. Um, it was a good, a good thing to do. Yeah. It's, it's a bit long, but yeah, it's kind of fun if you just really want to see differences just set um, a week and a half aside and blow through everything exactly i don't know so would you would you watch uh would you watch the series again i remember you said you'd watch the movie again because you enjoyed it would you watch the series again i would i probably not for a year or so i have some series that i will watch multiple times in a year this is too heavy yeah it's too it's too dark it needs i need i need to go and watch some comedy now <laughs> or disney <laughs> movies for like a month until my brain recovers <laughs> yeah i feel like this is like good for the because i know some people they read things annually so like you know my friend reads Wuthering heights every year so i'm like if i were to read or watch the iliad once a year this would be the once a year reminder there you have it this is the perfect once a year rewatch um thank you everyone for joining us today i really hope you enjoyed the show and we'd be delighted to hear about what your thoughts are uh, next week we are going to be starting our review of a thousand ships which is a book by natalie hayes we will also be having an interview with natalie in a couple of weeks time this book was really fantastic if you haven't read it yet definitely get a start before our next episode and i hope you enjoy it as much as we did Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a review. And you can also follow us on social media at The Reading Party Podcast. If you'd like to leave us a book or movie suggestion, then email us at thereadingpartypod at gmail.com. See you next week.